help my DTC grow. Strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brand. How could you grow your CRO with emails and how to plan your scale-up? Ashley Ismailovsky is the email marketing director at SmartSite, a digital marketing agency named one of INC's 5,000 fastest-growing companies for six consecutive years. She created the agency's email and SMS marketing services based on client needs. In June 2022, Ashley released a five-part masterclass series titled A Complete Guide to Conversation Rate Optimization. In this podcast episode, she will answer these questions. How could you personalize the experience with segmentation? How could we see email flows as not just automated emails? What not to do when you are planning your scale-up? How could you connect fully with your marketing? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I asked all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now let's get ready! I've read recently a LinkedIn post that uh, every DTC brand wants to sell more and be profitable. And they say these four sentences like, we need to convert more of our traffic so we can scale our business. Or we know our website can do a lot better, but not sure how to get there. Or we need to increase our AOV to become profitable. Or we want to know where we are losing money and fix that ASAP. I'm sure that you've also heard these before. What could be the first starting point when you are speaking with DTC brands? So how do you map out what they want and what they really want? Yeah, sometimes the answer of what they want versus what they need is different, right? So uh, whenever we're onboarding a new brand for marketing services, the very first thing we do is take a deep dive into their analytics just to see if we can identify any shortcomings. Uh, we also will perform competitor research to see uh, not only what our best practices in the industry, but what brands that they directly compete with are doing in the space, right? So they may come to us and say, you know, my website could be improved. I don't really know how. Uh, we just want more conversions. We're funneling all of this money into paid search, but it's not converting. And so what we tend to do is once we establish that competitor research, as well as the historical data, we put together a marketing plan for them uh, that uses an omni-channel approach. So what we mean when we say by that is we want to look at not only new customer acquisition, but also retention of existing customers as well. So um, we often find that the way to drive more revenue, the way to increase AOV, uh, the way to convert more is by retaining traffic that has already been to the website. And so we do that a couple of different ways. Primarily, we will use an email or an SMS channel. We also will drive loyalty programs for the brands as well. That way, if you are funneling paid search traffic to the site and maybe it's not converting on that first visit, maybe we can use an on-site display to get that user to subscribe. Maybe we can incentivize it uh, and thus get them into our database so that we can remarket to them later. So honestly, the answer to all of those questions is usually loyalty or retention marketing approach because we often find that brands are so highly focused on new customer acquisition that they fail to recognize the value of retaining existing customers. I see the profit margins are decreasing. Customer acquisition cost is 
also increasing and profit margins are getting lower, lower and lower. What was the difference between two years ago and now? If you say something to your customer, what is the difference between the strategy that you will say to them? I would say one of the most relevant nowadays difference in strategy is the accessibility of third-party data. And that's going to become even more relevant towards the end of the year and even into the summer. And I agree with you. I have read similar statistics where lead acquisition cost per lead is is going up. I think Harvard Business Review posted an article that was something crazy, like five to 25 times cheaper to keep an existing customer happy than it is to go out and acquire a new one. And what we often see with DTC brands is anywhere between 40 and 60% of their customers are loyal customers, are those returning purchasers. We find with those brands, you know, different from two years ago, they will have access to customer data, to historical customer data. Um, Somebody who engaged with a brand two years ago and is still engaged, uh, we may be able to establish purchase predictions. So based on historical behavior, hey, this this person likes to purchase in six-month increments, let's hit them with either an email or an SMS campaign to capitalize on that or keep them engaged with the brand. And so we find that that didn't really exist or existed in a much lower capacity two years ago where pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, a lot of brands were still unknown in the e-commerce space to different users. And so as now we've focused on digital marketing really heavily the last two years, we're finding that customers have now discovered the brands they want to remain loyal to. They've done that research phase of the customer life cycle, and now they've established who they like to engage with, who they like to buy from, and who they'd like to see more from. So we're finding that Brands are driving more traffic with these return customers as opposed to, you know, that hunting them down through third-party data, whether it be through paid search channels with lookalike audiences. Uh, We're finding now that through on-site displays, they're using quizzes, uh, different pop-up forms to collect and self-segment these users in order to serve them more relevant content. So we're finding that brands are getting smarter and, you know, closer to the direct source of data, which in turn is actually more beneficial for the brand and serves the customer more more relevant content. So you say that segmentation is a necessity for DTC brands? And how could they leverage this segmentation, for example, with with personalized uh, stuff? Absolutely, yes. Uh, Segmentation is huge, especially when you're speaking about either an email or an SMS channel in particular. But the way that we use segmentation is not only for the simplified approach of, let's say, a user likes a particular category of product. Let's say we're talking about a clothing or apparel brand. Let's say, you know, you have women's clothing or men's clothing. Uh, You can segment them based on their purchase behavior. You can also segment based on things like location, churn risk, average order value, number of purchases, etc. But what we like to do is take it a step further and also segment based on engagement. So what I often find with brands that are not using a segmentation strategy is that they'll be sending these campaigns out to their full list, right? And that's not really a advantageous strategy to the brand because ultimately a lot of these platforms either charge per message or charge per subscriber. And so when you have a high volume list that is unengaged and you're you know constantly bombarding them with whatever message it is that you're sending, not only are you going to be ineffective, but it's also going to be less profitable. And so what we go in and do with segmentation is we establish these engaged segments. Uh, We like to work it in 30-day increments. So let's say a user is in the 30-day engaged segment. They would have either opened, clicked, engaged with the brand in the last 30 days. 
And some brands also prefer to include a definition in those segments, which will also account for purchases in that time. So depends brand to brand, but let's say, you know, a brand wants a true engaged user, someone who has made a purchase and engaged with their brand in whatever channel it is that we're monitoring, we would set 30, 60, 90, et cetera, day increments and expand that out as we send these campaigns. It's also used in automations to serve more relevant content to those who actually are ready to receive that information. And so what we find is as we're driving content towards these segments, you're actually sending fewer messages total volume wise, but we find that profitability goes up because uh, these brands are actually engaging with customers who are receptive to the promotions that they're running. Wow. It sounds like a win-win, like uh, lowering ad costs and increasing uh, profits. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Maybe I have a strange question. The listeners will decide or you could decide it that if you have to write a book tomorrow, about email and SMS, what would be the title of it and why? That's a great question. Um, if I had to give it a title, I would say leveraging email and SMS to transform site visitors into repeat customers. And the reason why is when I originally started out, I was more heavily focused on conversion rate optimization before I became focused in email and SMS. And so my mind is always working for conversion rate optimization. Uh, I can't seem to turn that part off. But email and SMS and all of these owned marketing channels are such powerful tools in order to optimize your conversion rates that a lot of brands really don't realize. Many brands will think that CRO starts and stops with an A-B test on a landing page, but that's really not the case. In our cases, we use conversion rate optimization as a way to optimize our retention marketing efforts. And so, as I mentioned previously, when you have these acquisition strategies, paid search, SEO, etc., even social, ultimately what you're doing is driving new and returning traffic. And once they land on your site, that's the big question mark. You know, do I have enough compelling content on the site to drive the user to make a purchase? Is my checkout process more uh, streamlined enough? Is there too much friction in the checkout process? And so what we go in and do with email and SMS is optimize that by increasing the likelihood that the user is going to take the desired action on the site. So with DTC brands, it's engaging in e-commerce purchases. And if they don't do that on their first try or their first visit, uh, what we like to do is remarket to them through our subscribed channels. And so leveraging those email and SMS campaigns and automations is one of the best ways that you could actually convert a site visitor into a customer and a repeat purchaser. It's interesting that you mentioned automations because... Um in my point of view, that how could uh, DTC brand owners see email marketing as not just automated emails? Like, uh, what should a DTC marketer do to make it a real powerful tool? And how to, how to be connected with the user and the customer? What we're finding first and foremost starts at a platform level, uh, especially in the, the most recent years. We're finding that ESPs, email service providers, the platform with which we execute these campaigns and automations, they're pivoting their approach to be more of a customer data platform. And so this gives us a more holistic view of these customer profiles, their activities, their preferences beyond just user A opened campaign XYZ uh, and didn't engage with a ABC, so let's push them more content on XYZ. What we're also finding is these tools, uh, one of my favorites is Klaviyo, gives us the opportunity to predict when a user is going to be making their next purchase. We also have predictive analytics for different demographic information we may not have access to on the first go. Um, we can also predict churn risk and hit them with relevant automations or campaigns thusly through our segmentation process. And so at a platform level, we're finding that these ESPs are focusing more and more on broadening the view that's given to the 
user of these customer profiles. And so where automations come in is that we're able not only to use our properly set up segments to target users with campaigns, uh, we're also using automations to push them through different channels. So let's say, for example, a user is only subscribed to email, but we also offer SMS through this ESP platform or customer data platform. What we can do is create a conditional split for, hey, this user subscribed to email. Let's continue pushing them content here, but also let's give them an opportunity to subscribe to SMS or engage with our loyalty program or rewards program. And through that, you can actually establish on a per user basis what they're most receptive to. And so we find that these brands are then able to, through advanced segmentation, push more relevant content, not only towards users individually, but also on these channels that they have preference for. So that would be what I find not only on a platform level, but also for DTC brands. They approach this with an omni-marketing approach where it'll just be a, a few different attempts to convert this user and whichever they're most receptive to, they'll continue driving their profits that way. What do you think? Are there any size, certain size or revenue or traffic requirements to apply these strategies? Immediately, I want to say no, but certainly brands of a certain size would get the most out of this, right? It's it's not the most advantageous for a brand who's just starting up today or last week or last month to immediately open up a loyalty program, right? Uh, there's a lot that has to come before then. And so I would say brands who have already established a decent sized customer base, that's going to be a relative term uh, based on the industry, but enough to where they are seeing a significant volume of returning traffic, which would indicate that their business structure is such that it supports repeat purchases. At that time, I would start to evaluate your options for these own marketing channels, which could benefit the brand in increasing the volume of returning traffic and returning customers. What could be the necessary steps to build up a scale-up strategy for a DTC brand? So if you want to scale up or grow as a DTC brand, for example, a six or seven-figure band to step up to eight figure or nine figure what could be the necessary steps or i could i could uh, change the question in the way that what not to do is what strategy about so what not to do when i'm planning my scale up strategy what not to do would be to uh, rely too heavily on new customer acquisition with uh, while also ignoring the post purchase experience for the customer as i mentioned earlier we're seeing dtc brands on average about 60% of their website traffic and also of their customers are loyal customers who have engaged with the brand beforehand. And so I think a mistake that I see is a lot of brands ignoring the post-purchase experience. Your end goal is not simply one conversion in most cases. Uh, for some brands who maybe have one product or a large product that doesn't need to be repurchased or is under warranty, maybe this doesn't apply. But for most brands who have the opportunity for a customer to come back for a repeat purchase or perhaps refer a friend, there has to be a heavy focus on that post-purchase experience. What happens after the user not only orders the product but receives it, there needs to be an evaluation of their experience, collection of feedback. You can also incentivize online reviews, ask them to share UGC in the form of you know Instagram photos or things like that. And a lot of brands are not doing that. Uh, many brands just think that it starts and stops with that first purchase, but you really do need to go that extra mile to keep that customer happy, keep them coming back. And word of mouth is still the best way uh, to market a brand. And so if they're happy, they're going to mention it to their friends. You can incentivize incentivize it through a referral program and keep themselves and their friends coming back for more. What is the one thing that no one agrees with your agency at first, but you prove 
that it is the right way. I primarily work with brands for email and SMS services, and every single one of them fights me on pop-ups on their site. I know just from being in marketing all these years how effective they can be, but all they see is this cumbersome thing that they feel is going to interfere with their user's experience on the website and ultimately not add any value to that brand. And really that couldn't be further from the truth, especially nowadays where we're seeing a decrease in accessibility to third-party data. Those on-site displays like pop-ups, like exit intent offers or embedded forms are going to be the best way that brands have access to first and zero party data from their site users. And so it's really difficult on the front end of things to explain that value. I more or less have to show them. So many conversations have ended with, well, I really don't want to pop up. I feel very strongly against, against this. And I say, well, let me try. Let me try for a week. Let me try for a month. And through our proven strategies, knowing you know where to place these items, how to trigger them, different time intervals, you definitely don't want to interfere with the customer experience, but you want them to know that the option is there to subscribe and that it's incentivized and they could benefit fit from sharing a little bit about themselves, whether it be an email, their phone number, preferences as far as product categories. And ultimately, again, that serves to give them a better experience long term because they'll be served more relevant content because of it. And nine times out of 10, the brands will come back in a month's time and say, you were right, we should have listened to you from the get go. This pop up or this on site display has done really well, not only to grow their subscribers, but also to incentivize and drive more sales. Mm, at first, uh, I thought I got a mini heart attack because we were a pop-up tool, <laughs> but now now we are a, a personalization tool. So, phew, and now it's it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good to hear that. Are there any unorthodox stuff that you are using uh, in CRO, SEO, design, or PPC at your agency? Unorthodox, I mean, like uh, not the best practices, but your own method or own point of view that you are using for a DTC brand? We're pretty standard in our approaches across our different marketing channels. I can only speak to email and SMS. Certainly we offer a host of other services like PPC, like SEO, website design and development. I would say for us, maybe not unorthodox, but more uncommon is that we also have a team of UX designers and that is taken into consideration across any graphic or any design project that we're working on. And that's uh, across a variety of our services. I don't see many agencies offering that. Uh, usually you work with one point person and that person also kind of knows Photoshop or can use an online tool to design something. But we have in-house designers who are actually trained in UX design, which in effect also allows our work to be more conversion friendly. So if I'm talking in an email capacity, understanding of, for example, the rule of thirds, uh, you always want the main CTA in the top one third of the email that should appear on mobile, it should appear on desktop, it should appear in dark mode, light mode, iPhone, Android, etc. There's so many different considerations that have to be looked at. And these designers just know through their training uh, what not to do, what they should do. And ultimately what that helps us with as project managers in a client facing role is the the time between inception and execution is significantly recre uh, decreased rather because we need fewer and fewer iterations because these designers put out awesome content on the first try. So um, again, not really unorthodox, but certainly uncommon and is a consideration that I don't see too many agencies making. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you have to say or prove to DTC brands that you are the one or you are the one agency that, that knows most. And uh, what is the benefit of educating the DTC brand you are working with? Absolutely. 
absolutely. Uh, you are talking to the queen of education. I always said if I won the lottery, I would just go back to college and continue to get degrees and certifications. <laughs> so I certainly always use an educational approach with all of my clients. And actually, it starts from our onboarding process. So as part of the process, they fill out a very short survey just so we can understand their history with whichever service it is that they're signing on for. And we actually ask them, you know, what is your knowledge level on this topic? And it ranges from very knowledgeable to I really don't know anything. And that will change how the project manager or the client facing manager will approach that project. If we have someone come in who says, I know everything there is to know about email, we might be able to have more high level conversations, but also keeping in mind that when someone comes to us and says they already know everything, you start to ask yourself, well, why are you reaching out for help if you know everything? And so it's a tale of caution really to understand who thinks they know everything and who actually does. And then on the flip side of that, you'll have clients who very honestly, will say, I don't know what I'm doing. That's what you're here for. And I always like to take it as a teachable moment whenever I do have conversations with clients like that, because I need to understand that some things that are mindless to me, of course you should use segmentation pop-ups are great. Why don't we try SMS because you're a retail brand and that does really well on that space. These things may not have occurred to this person or they may have never been exposed to them. So I do take my time to not only explain the benefits, but also any potential pitfalls so that they then have all of the information needed to make an educated decision. Are they afraid of the effort that they need to do or the budget that they need to spend on it? For brands who have never tried retention marketing channels like email and SMS, there is a big hesitation at the beginning. I think that when you use the term email marketing for somebody who hasn't really been in the space or been exposed to it too much, they think of the 60 to 100 emails they wake up to every morning in their inbox telling them to buy this product and get 20% off here. And that's really not what email marketing is anymore. It certainly was these batch and blast sends to absolutely everybody. But the goal of each brand who's serving personalized content should be to deliver value value to the end user. And so we have a lot of uh, clients rather who are not as willing in the beginning to heavily invest in these channels. And they really do need to see the proof in the pudding of that profit coming back to them. And so we do find whether it's a conversation about a on-site display, whether it's a conversation about segmentation strategies or picking up a new marketing channel, like adding SMS to an email strategy, there has to be that trial phase where you're not only proving that you know what you're doing, but proving to the brand that there is a return here even if it's something they haven't tried before so one word or three words like uh, retention hesitation could be cured with profit hmm. great so we have a new phrase retention hesitation okay what do you think how could dtc brand owners connect fully with their marketing and not catch up with with logistics with brand with sales with product how could they be fully connected with their marketing efforts. Putting analytics aside, I think one of the most simple ways that they can be connected with their marketing efforts to include your website, which is the biggest online marketing presence you will ever have, is to maybe once a month, once every quarter, go through your website as if you're a customer and go through the checkout process and experience your marketing efforts, sign up for your own emails, create a new email address to do so if you're already signed up and experience all of these things as a first time user on your site. And oftentimes that will uncover the most minuscule things that you think will have no impact, but really they're having a huge impact on that conversion rate 
or perhaps the checkout process. I've had brands who I've asked to perform that exercise and they come back to me the very first time they did it and they said, hey, we just realized that our payment processor is broken and that's why we haven't had sales over the last two weeks. Or perhaps they have a a two-step signup for email and SMS and perhaps they've always had this set up and they said, hey, no one's signing up for our, our SMS, but maybe the submission button is broken or not firing. Or perhaps I've seen it before where they're collecting phone numbers, but they're not actually collecting SMS consent. And so the platform that they're on actually won't allow them to send SMS. They're collecting it as instead as a phone number as if you were to call this person. And so that is my biggest recommendation. The best way to stay in touch with all of your marketing efforts and confirm that they're working is just to take some time out of your day, five, 10 minutes to experience your website, experience your marketing channels as if you were a first time user and see if those strategies are effective. Great. And last but not least, I want to give some seeds and nutrition for DTC brands to grow. And there would be four quick questions and I want uh, quick answers from you, but you could you could be also telling me a story or something like that. Uh, the first would be that what books would you recommend or blogs to follow or influencers to follow for a DTC brand? I'll try and keep my answer short and I'm also going to have to censor myself just because of the nature of the title of this book. But there's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And it's really a self-help book, but it was actually a required reading of mine when I started my job here at the agency. And at first I picked up this book and I said, why am I being asked to read a book? I thought I was just going to be dealing with clients or executing on different operational deliverables. When I picked up this book and read it all the way through, it was one of the few that I read cover to cover. And the premise of the book is to not sweat the small stuff in essence, just to make a long story short, also just to rely on yourself, rely on what you know, trust that you have the knowledge and the experience to tackle anything. And if you don't, there'll be a team behind you who can and who can support you. So uh, I would definitely recommend that book. Wow, great. The second one is, what is the biggest mistake that a DTC brand could make? The single biggest one? The single biggest one is not having a post-purchase strategy. If you're allowing, allowing users to make a purchase and not engaging with them at all after that, huge mistake, a big opportunity loss, not only for the sake of a positive product experience, let's say they want to leave an online review or refer a friend and they just need a little incentive to do so, but also in the case of a negative experience as well, you wanna be in control of that before it turns into a negative online review. And so your owned marketing channels are going to be your best tool, your best way to communicate directly with that customer to establish what their experience was like and react appropriately to it. Great, third one. Could you tell me your quick growth tip related to DTC marketing? I would say when the time comes, when you've scaled enough, invest in a loyalty program in whatever capacity that may mean. If you're not ready to bring in a tech partner or a SaaS company that offers that directly as a separate plugin or app to your shop, do it in the form of creating a segment based on either number of purchases or value of monies that the client, uh, rather customer has spent over time and invest in keeping those customers loyal, incentivize their journey. I did it for a brand that didn't want to invest in an entire loyalty program. They just wanted to use email automation. And so what we did is after the third purchase, the customer got an email that said, hey, congrats, your bronze tier, only two more purchases to make it to silver. And then it's almost like gamification. 
I of course want to level up the same way I do on any of the game apps that I have on my phone. I want to get to that next level. And so I'm going to continue interacting with this brand, especially when they hand me a 10% discount for doing so. And so we created subsequent segments to also send out based on when those appropriate tiers were reached. And so when we have brands who are hesitant to do that, or maybe they're not there yet, which is fine, I always do recommend as the brand scales, as they see a high volume of returning customers, you always want to continue to incentivize that. And last but not least, the fourth question, what tools would you use as a DTC brand for growth? What tools, apps, softwares? I come from email and SMS, so my immediate response is going to be an ESP or an email service provider. And where my agency is partnered with Klaviyo, who's one of the biggest ones and is also Shopify's recommended uh, ESP. And so I always recommend investing in those types of apps and plugins, which will subsequently act as a secondary client database for their relevant information, purchase history, etc. Because once you put it into a platform that allows you to communicate with the customers, you can leverage their data to serve them more relevant content and to incentivize that next purchase. So um, I'm a big fan of apps. Privy is another great one that we like. Yacht Pose, really great. They have a variety of different products in addition to just the standard SMS. Uh, and so I always recommend investing in those customer data platform enhancement type of apps. Great, great. Thanks, Ash, for answering my call. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.